Hey guys, I'm Court. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to Season 3, Episode 7 of The Castle Chat. Hey Castle Chat friends, welcome back to Episode 7. This episode is where we basically put on our own award show. The title of this episode is, and the award goes to dot dot dot. And our category for this week is Pixar movies. This is where we are going to put a lot of Pixar movies in different categories. We're going to have nominees and rank those nominees to pick winners. So we are going to jump on in and get started with our award show. This episode is coming in in just the right timing. We are approaching the Oscars of 2022. Oh, yeah. So we're having our own award ceremony here for the best films of possibly all time Pixar movies. Yeah, Pixar movies are just untouched. I So first of all, this is super exciting because this was actually, we put a poll on our Instagram for listeners to select what type of award show we were going to do this season and the most responses we got hands down was pixar yes everybody wanted this episode so this episode is truly for you guys yes and this episode was so difficult to prepare for oh my gosh i didn't realize how many favorites i had when it came to pixar movies and they're all so unique and the storylines are individualized so much that when it comes to selecting winners for these different categories we came up with it was nearly impossible to actually select a favorite yeah i mean there are some categories that we'll get to later where i was like how how do we even pick a winner and for some categories i think we have ties because it was that hard to even pick a winner this also is perfect timing because there is a new pixar film coming out but turning red is the newest pixar film that's being released on disney plus this weekend so it's kind of a fun time to reflect on all pixar has created thus far and um unfortunately turning red won't be on any of our lists today because we haven't seen it so we don't know but it's definitely a good reminder that there is a new pixar film on disney plus you should definitely go watch it yeah, for sure. And later on this year, we've got Lightyear coming, which is also a very anticipated upcoming Pixar film. Yeah, when we break down these different categories and our nominees, uh, you're going to see Toy Story all over the place. So <laughs> Lightyear being added to this legacy of Toy Story. Toy Story is the original Pixar. Um, so, you know, they keep coming out with new ideas for this franchise and they're all fairly successful so i mean i have very high expectations for what this film's going to be like absolutely me too why don't we give them a quick rundown of the categories that we have tonight and also how we selected nominees and how we ranked those all right so for tonight we have eight different categories that we have kind of come up with on our own they're similar to ones we've done before like for our live action episode that we've done previously um we have best overall animation best voice actor best original song best sequel best character duo and most likely to get a sequel And then on top of those, we always select a best and a worst. Mm -hmm. So we have best overall movie, worst overall movie for the Pixar franchise or Pixar films. Um, 
How we go about selecting these winners is kind of our own made-up scoring system. Court, you want to break that down for everyone? <laughs> yes. So first, I'll mention how we select the nominees. So Caitlin and I basically look at a list of, so for this, we looked at all the Pixar movies, and I kind of picked three, and she picked three, and we make sure we have six nominees for each categories. Also, you guys um, were able to submit your nominees for a lot of these categories we put on Instagram. We did a little question box where you guys could submit nominees. And a lot of y'all's responses actually made it into um, the list. We were totally in agreement with what you guys were voting as well. So um, you'll definitely probably see your responses in there. Um, but once we have the six nominees for each category, we rank those categories or we rank those nominees out of six points. So for example, if Toy Story was my number one choice for a certain category, I would give it six points. Um, and if for Caitlin it was, I don't know, four, she, I mean, it's almost six, but at about four, she could give it that. And then total, the points for that would be 10. So then basically we go down the list, making sure every item has a number, one through six, and we add those numbers together, total number, the high, one with the highest number is the winner. So that's kind of how we calculate the winners. We feel like it's kind of just both of our opinions put together. Um, but we also want to know when we reveal these winners, if you guys agree. Um, we want to put these on Instagram and um, kind of see what you guys think of them. Yeah, we definitely know that this award show is totally based off of our personal opinions and everybody's going to have a different favorite for each of these categories. And not only is that okay, but we would love to know why. I mean, let us know if our least favorite Pixar film is your favorite. Please tell us why that one gets us otherwise. Yeah. Give us a reason to go watch it again and and change our minds. But that being said, I think we should get into the show. Oh, I think we should too. All right. Let's start with our very first category. So our first category is best overall animation. And the nominees are Coco, Onward, Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Wally and Cars. And the winner is Coco. Okay, this I have a lot to say about the animation of Coco. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Let me <laughs> like, okay, I'm just, buckle up, people. Here we go. I'm passionate about this film. Okay, so both of our number one choice for this category was Coco. Mm-hmm. Why did you pick Coco? So Personally, I'm not a huge Coco fan. Like I, I appreciate the movie. I think it's, I think it's good. I'm not a super fan. But what I can really appreciate appreciate about the film is its animation. It's very vibrant. It's very colorful. Um, it's very breathtaking when it comes to uh, state of the art animation. And it really blew me away when I watched it. Um, I just, I really was taken back by all the colors. I agree 100%. The colors, the vibrancy are incredible. I think little things um, like that I'm recalling to my brain as I try to think about the animation of this movie, the bridge from Earth to the land of the dead or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it um, with all of the leaves and oh, yeah, it's beautiful. just I mean the detail of that and then the city itself has so many I mean if you can imagine somebody drawing all of these intricate little details with buildings with windows with lights with 
you know, all yeah. the things. And then not to mention the majority of the characters in this film are skeletons. That's a lot of bone structure and things to be drawing out and animating how a skeleton would walk without all of the external structure that we know humans to have, I thought took a little extra creativity in um, making this film and animating this film. And so I think for those reasons, the animation really stuck out um, yeah. for me. I, I agree. I didn't even think about like having to animate a skeleton versus a human body and the way that the, the bones would move. Um, I'm sure that took extreme detail um, to be able to make that happen. And it's very impressive the way that they were able to pull this movie off. What was our runner-up for this category? Our runner-up for this category was actually Cars, which surprised me. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised too. I kind of thought that Finding Nemo might come in second, but... That was my second pick, Finding Nemo was. Mm -hmm. And in the same idea of it took a little bit extra to figure out how bones and things would move i think it's incredible that they animated a whole film underwater everything's constantly moving there's Mm -hmm. never a moment when the characters stop moving because they're moving fins they're moving tails the water around them is animated so that it seems like they're floating or there's a current all of those things i mean it's it's constant animation yeah there's nothing still about it (laughs) yeah and when you think about like the attraction, um, the seas with Nemo and friends, yes, immediately recalls the animation that we know and love from Finding Nemo with the jellyfish and all the different little fish creatures, Bruce, the sharks, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some really remarkable animation in that film, um, but for whatever reason, the way that the numbers added up for us in this category, it actually made cars are our number two but when you think about cars and you think about somebody trying to animate a vehicle to have a personality to act like a human being that is extremely impressive because the cars in this film you could they could be human yeah. they really could like they have body language and expressions and cars in real life don't have that and so yeah. to create that I don't even know how you would study that or how you would make it as realistic as possible. I guess you would just try to make it mimic the human interaction as much as possible. Yeah, I totally agree. And when you see the animation on the cars, the selections that they made for where their eyes would be, where their mouth would be, all of that stuff makes sense. And so it's not, it just, at this point, when I think of, when I see a car driving myself, I think of the windshield having eyes and the front bumper having a mouth and the lights kind of being like nostrils almost. (laughs) Um, But in the same vein of thinking of Finding Nemo, the attraction, thinking of Cars Land in Disneyland, Mm -hmm. um, the Radiator Springs area, the neon lights, all of the canyons that um, are animated in this film have obviously caught the attention of people to the point where you know it's so beautiful and people want to experience it that they made a whole land out of it and it's breathtaking yeah so i mean i don't think that it's a bad a bad runner up no (laughs) but i definitely am surprised by that yeah all right let's go on to our next category our next category is best voice acting and the nominees are Samuel L. Jackson, Frozone, Incredibles. Ed Ashner, Carl, Up. Tom Hanks, Woody, Toy Story. Ellen DeGeneres, Dory, Finding Nemo. 
John Goodman, Sully, Monsters, Inc. And Chris Pratt, Barley, Onward. And the winner is... Oh, we had a tie for this one. Rightly so. We had a tie for this one. How do you pick? I don't even, I don't even know. Who are the winners? Okay. Our tie for the winner on this is Tom Hanks and Ellen DeGeneres. How do you pick? I don't know. It's crazy. Ellen did a phenomenal job as Dory. I mean, such an iconic character. Her voice is so... I don't know how to describe it. Like, her voice is so specific. Like, you can just pinpoint it out of a crowd. And I feel like it was the perfect choice for Dory. Yeah, I... For me, both Woody and Dory were my introductions to the actors, Tom Hank and Ellen DeGeneres. Mm. They... Toy Story came out in the 90s, and mm-hmm. Finding Nemo came out in 2004 or 2003, mm-hmm. uh, early 2000s. I was young for both of those, and both of those movies sparked my interest in these actors because I was like, oh my gosh, that movie was so good. I loved Woody, or I loved Dory, and that, you know, who who were those people who were the voices of those characters, and um they're both iconic i don't think that yeah. you can go wrong i think I mean, that tom hanks tom hanks is a legendary actor yeah i mean no question about that i think the difference between woody and dory is the endearment of the personalities of the characters mm. like how could you not love dory she's sweet she's innocent she says funny things and everybody loves who she is in finding nemo i think woody in toy story has kind of this story arc or character arc of he is kind of like a perfectionist type or things have to be a certain way and he upsets characters in the movie so therefore he probably upsets the audience in certain instances in watching the movie so I think maybe if you're talking about like who is the most beloved Pixar character based on you know what the voice actors brought to the characters maybe Dory would win out yeah maybe um but I mean, they're both icons in mm-hmm. Disney and just general animation history. And it takes a lot to bring those characters to life. And the actors behind the screens, you know, recording and giving them their personality, their life is what makes us love them too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so big props to Pixar for constantly nailing casting and (laughs) giving us these characters we love so much (laughs) yes okay what about our next category do you want to share the nominees for this one yes so our next category is best original song for this category the nominees are remember me coco you've got a friend in me toy story life is a highway cars le festine ratatouille Married Life, Up, and Touch the Sky, Brave. And the winner is You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. I thought you were about to sing it. (laughs) You've got a friend in me. (laughs) I mean, that is the song of my childhood. It's one of those things, too, the opener of that song, the do-do-do-do-do-do, like, mm-hmm. it just makes you feel happy. It makes you feel like a kid, and um, 
I think that it's definitely just Toy Story in general, I feel like is a really tough movie to put any other movie against. I feel like it might be its own category Mm -hmm. because not only are there so many sequels and movies in this particular franchise to build your love for these characters and your connection to these characters but it's also the original there Mm -hmm. was no pixar before toy story and toy story was groundbreaking on so many different levels and so it's really hard to not have something like you've got a friend in me be the first thing that pops into your head of you know what is my favorite pixar song or what is the best original pixar song but our runner-up which was a close second, was... Remember Me from Coco. Yeah, I feel like um, this song, in terms of the artistry of this song and thinking about how the song is actually central to the story of the film, has a really big impact. I think a lot of the other songs that were in this category are maybe songs that are in the background, songs that are part of the credits. They're not really a part of the film. Mm -hmm. And Remember Me is 100% part of Coco and part of the film. And if you don't know the the storyline or the plot of Coco, it's about music and the main character Miguel's love of music. And so um, this song is a big piece in the movie itself. And I personally, I I love this song and I think it's really special and they did a great job writing it. So um, I I have a personal love for that, but also our listeners did too. Yes. I mean, most people that voted for this category on our Instagram put Coco um, for like having the best original songs in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a great soundtrack. Yeah, and again, the movie is about music and the characters love for music. So there's a lot to choose from here. But Remember Me is definitely the song from I that mean, film. If you're gonna have a movie about music and you don't have good music in your film about music, good then point. You've done the whole movie wrong. Good point. So good point. It should be ranked very highly with best original song. Otherwise. Might be some problems there. (laughs) Um, Okay, next category. We've got best sequel. Oh, the sequels, the Pixar sequels. I don't know. It just makes my heart warm. Okay. Let's see here. The nominees for best sequel are Monsters University, Cars 2, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, Incredibles 2 and Finding Dory. And the winner is Toy Story 2. Classic. It's hard to do sequels, right? Mm-hmm. And Pixar, I don't think, has missed on many of their sequels. No. I would say on the opposite end of the spectrum from winning, I kind of don't really remember the plot and the storyline of Cars 2 and 3. I can't either. Um, they're they're good movies. Cars is very popular. I know a lot of uh, little ones that love this franchise. Um, but to have all of these films that they've done right the first time have sequels come out, there's a lot to live up to. Mm-hmm. And for all of these movies to have sequels that are actually really good is a big deal, I think. Why is Toy Story 2 your number one pick? 
So for me, I really like Toy Story 2 because I like the additional characters. I like how the story grows. I love when they're all in Al's toy barn and the Barbie scene. Like I just, I just think it's so fun. Um, this is where we just get to like meet more characters and watch the story grow. And I think this is where Toy Story really takes off for me. And I really enjoyed it as a sequel. And for me, it's a, it's equivalent to like Shrek 2. Yeah. Like if we're gonna go over to DreamWorks, like Shrek 2 in my opinion, might be better than Shrek 1, and I think Toy Story 2 might be better than Toy Story. I don't disagree with that statement. I think what makes this movie so impactful or really neat is that it introduces new characters that, one, people love and have a really Mm -hmm. big presence in the Disney world. Um, But they have sequels after this where these characters continue to get to grow in their storylines, whereas the sequels for other movies don't necessarily open that opportunity. Um, Some of them do, but I the the new character introductions in this movie are so strong and the way that they did it and thinking about, you know, like having new toys and there's this whole it's kind of almost like um this light year concept of Mm. okay we know the toys in andy's room but all of those toys come from a storyline of sorts that made kids want to buy them and i don't know i think it's really neat and um thinking about al and the chicken suit all that stuff there i mean there's a lot of comic relief in it but i also i personally also love toy story 3 i know you ranked that was your highest I, I I have sentimental connections to Toy Story 3. I think we've discussed this before. Toy Story 3 was my husband and I's first date. So, um, so cute. I, I have a, I watched that movie a lot more, I think, than I've watched Toy Story 2. So it sticks in my head a lot more. Mm-hmm. I also just, at the time in my life when I watched that movie, I completely related to the story of Andy growing up. Mm-hmm. And so it pulled on my heartstrings very specifically at that point in time um with growing up moving out i had younger siblings at home that i had to leave behind i like hand handed down toys and clothes and all those things and so i think sitting in the theater and watching that film i i cried like a baby on your first date yeah it was cute (laughs) cried like a baby on your first date well you're married now so I mean, it was a take it or leave it. I mean, he knew what he was getting, at least. <laughs> Some... What an emotional film to have a first date with. Right. I didn't know. I was like, uh, it's got to be good. Let's go see it. And here we are. Yeah. Love it. Um, what was our runner-up for this category? Our runner-up was Incredibles 2. Also big fan. Mm-hmm. I, this was my number two. Yes. I so. really enjoyed this film. I think I enjoyed this film so much because there was such a big gap between the Mm -hmm. first Incredibles and the second one and I remember when they announced the second one was coming out and I was like oh my gosh finally like what it was just I feel like our generation was so excited about that for sure um because it had been so long and I feel like that's almost like a perfect time to announce a sequel because people aren't expecting it but they want it yeah and so I don't know I just think it's an it's a great film i think at the point of announcing the film every like no one was anticipating that there was actually going to be a sequel like that ship had sailed it had been 15 years and Mm -hmm. so we're like i mean incredibles came and went it was a great movie but i was not thinking about a sequel being an option which 
brings to you know the idea of we have a category of most likely to get a sequel in the future and i mean i think that there's probably something on the table for at least one of these movies that haven't had a sequel yet or maybe one of the ones that has had a sequel maybe there's an incredibles 3 in the works who knows um so i mean they did toy story 3 and 4 they did cars 3 they did monsters inc 2 uh and monsters university so i mean they have plenty to work with on these ideas but i thought they did a incredible job with incredibles 2 (laughs) incredible job an incredible (laughs) job for incredibles 2 um I love the storyline. Jack-Jack and Nom Nom Cookies made me laugh. Um, and all of his little new powers and tricks and Edna. Yeah. I mean, it was I great. I love how he's like he gets more of a predominant role in this film. I think it's it's just good for his character development, too. But maybe we'll get another Incredibles film. And Elastigirl, pull yourself together! I just... <laughs> Just love we that. didn't. I don't think we we touched on that when we did best voice actor. But man, Frozone, what a solid character. Uh, honey, where is my super suit? Everyone knows that line. <laughs> Everyone knows that line. No denying. That wasn't it. even that great. I didn't even do. I would need. I need Jed here because he's really good at imitating voice, like different voices. Mm. He would be able to do it perfectly. I just already know, but. Okay, let's go on to our next category. We do have the the most likely to get a sequel, but that's coming that's coming a little bit later. Um, first, we have best character duo. Take it away, Caitlin. The impossible of impossible to decide this category. However, here are the nominees for best character duo: Woody and Buzz from Toy Story, Lightning McQueen and Mater, Cars, Joy and Sadness, Inside Out. Mike and Sully, Monsters, Inc., Carl and Russell, Up, and Marlin and Dory, Finding Nemo. And the winner goes to another tie. Another tie. This was a very impossible category. Our tie is between Woody and Buzz and Mike and Sully. Two of the best duos in the Pixar universe. I think it's interesting to note that Literally every duo here is like a night and day friendship. Like the characters are so different and that's what makes them great duos because they balance each other so well. Mm -hmm. But something about Woody and Buzz, they're kind of the OG. They've got a really rich history. It's why Toy Story 4 was awful. Um, But um, they're a great duo. Mike and Sully in the same way. Like they're best buds they've been best buds for a long time in their storyline when we meet up with them and the way that they balance each other the way that they bring comic relief the way that they experience a ton of emotions together from laughter sadness calling each other out all of those things i think Mm -hmm. it just makes them really rich character friendships or duos yeah it just makes me think of like all the duos that are to come in the future Pixar films. Yeah, well, in one of the newest films, Luca, we had a trio. We had mm. the we had the trio between all the characters as well. So I love that they're expanding what our expectation of Pixar films are because it does seem like there is a rich standard of a character duo that goes on a journey of some sort so (laughs) i like that there is an opportunity to come up with new storylines and switch things up yeah definitely 
Okay, now we're on to the category of most likely to get a sequel in the future. So before we jump into the nominees, I think it's relevant to note that the way we did this or the way we scored this was how much we want to see a sequel out of these, but also true realistic expectations of how likely is something to get a sequel. You could kind of go either way, but just wanted to clarify that before we jumped in. Okay. All right. So the nominees for most likely to get a sequel in the future are Inside Out, Wally, Up, A Bug's Life, Ratatouille, and Onward. And the winner is Inside Out. I think that there is so many different directions that Pixar could go in a sequel for Inside Out, which is why I think it's most likely to get a sequel. Mm-hmm. I I mean, maybe somebody else out there has super creative, obvious answers for sequels for the other ones, um, but I thought that this one was a great film in the first place, but also so much possibility for what could come next. Yeah, definitely. I feel like with Inside Out, the brain is so complex that, like you said, the movie could really go any direction. But we, you and I kind of discussed what we thought they would do for a sequel. Why don't yeah. we share with them what, what we thought would be an Inside Out sequel? Well, you, we both kind of had the same idea when we were like, what, what would the sequel look like for you in your mind? And you, the first thing that you said was like Riley grown up. Riley is the child in this film that the main characters are living inside her brain. Her emotions are the central focus of this film and truly the main characters. Mm -hmm. Um, But you said something about, you know, Riley growing up. And in my mind, I was like, you know, as we get older and we experience more emotions, my idea was, or thought was that you kind of continue her life story and her experiences, but then new emotions are introduced and how that might create turmoil or some rivalry or however you want to think about it between the existing core emotions of joy, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger. Mm-hmm. And so it'd be easy to kind of throw in some different versions of emotion that come in and kind of throw them off um, their game and make Riley have all of these different experiences it's kind of i mean she kind of experienced that a little bit in this first film but kind of continuing on that but with new characters yeah i mean you think about you know a child growing up going through puberty those teenage years there are a lot of hormones and different emotions that someone in that age group starts to experience and like what better way to like do that in an inside out film and introduce new character arcs and like I don't know I feel like there'd have to be some type of twist in the film too because if it was just new characters I don't feel like it would be as big of a hit because it would kind of closely follow the first film and that part I'm still trying to figure out in my brain but I don't know I feel like everybody loved the first Inside Out and if they had a sequel uh, it would be a big turnout. I I think that's true of any of these films. If Pixar puts out a sequel, I'm going to see it. Doesn't matter where it's coming from. <laughs> but I definitely think and believe that, like we said, there's so many different directions that they could go with this, and the characters that were developed in this original film were so strong that it wouldn't 
be hard to mess up building on what we already know mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. these characters, Riley's life, and being inside a human's brain. We also, I think it might be interesting to have like a, an inside out short where it's just, mm. we kind of got glimpses of this, I feel like, in the film where you kind of get a quick pop into the mom's brain and a quick pop into the dad's brain. And everyone has the same core emotions, but they experience and process things differently. Different emotions are in charge for different people. Things like that that could either be put into a short or take um, the central focus of a new film could be very intriguing um the mind itself is so complex so the directions that they could go are also complex (laughs) yeah definitely what was our um runner up for most likely to get a sequel in the future ironic enough it was up which we already discussed our ideas for what a sequel could be for Mm -hmm. this movie yeah we do have like doug days on disney plus which is another like short series for that centered around up where we get to see a little bit of that sequel life um but i just feel like if there was a film i don't know i'd be there in a heartbeat yeah i also an honorable mention for me would be onward i think it'd be so easy to come up with a storyline of two brothers going on some kind of magical quest i mean yeah that's that could that's an easy one that could they could easily do a a sequel for yeah just wanted to put that thought out there yeah um pixar decides to listen to this podcast at any time i'd be happy with any of those sequels (laughs) yeah pixar if you're out there you have some ideas okay we're down to our last two categories we've got the worst pixar movie and the best pixar movie let's do worst first so we can end on a high note totally agree okay for so for this category we didn't do like nominees we just picked somebody because i just feel like this one's more just an outstanding category so for for worst movie the the loser the winner is toy story 4 moment of silence yeah just pause because there are some people out there that really enjoy toy story 4 that are big forky fans that think the storyline is great and i'm like you literally just did toy story 3 again like you just kept dragging it on like this whole concept of like going off on their own adventure and not being a part of a home anymore and being somewhere else and i'm like we've already done this yeah and i think the root of toy story was woody's loyalty to Andy and wanting to be good toys for him and Woody and Buzz being a dynamic duo. I don't know. I just didn't really connect with or like the route that they went. Yeah. Um, it's a scene mismatch too. It just didn't fit well. The The idea of the change that we go through as we grow up and we mature and we become adults and we go off on our own and we find somebody and we make our own lives and all of that is true but i just it made me sad for toy story and uh, the doll whole, the whole the whole creepy doll needing a voice box and woody giving it to her like all of that was just a lot i just feel like the toy story franchise ended so well with toy story 3 like it was perfect closure it was emotional it was what everybody wanted to see like it was just it was sad but you knew like it was 
how the story was supposed to end. And then it was yeah. like, surprise, another one. And I'm like, I feel like we're just dragging this on. Yeah, I felt like I had closure after Toy Story 3. And then I saw Toy Story 4 was coming out. And I was like, hmm. I what thought could, we were done with this. <laughs> what could they be doing here? Um, and I, of course, I had high expectations. And I think the film is fine. But if I'm going to go back and watch any Toy Story movie, I will probably just watch one through three and stop. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I mean, you can't, like you said, it's not a horrible film. Pixar really can't do much wrong. <laughs> they they create such incredible films. But out of all of them, I feel like for me, it was very easy to pick that Toy Story 4 was the worst out of all of them. Mm, yeah, it's the only one I think where I've watched it and left the theater and just kind of been like, eh, why, why did they do that? Yeah. So, well, I think it also doesn't help that people have such a, I don't know, they have, they think so highly of, of Toy Story and the franchise, like you said, it's the OG, it's, it's really important to people. And so I feel like it was let down. And And again, going back to the idea of toys are meant for children. They're not meant for boxes and and all of that and so i felt like the idea of yes it's sad a chapter closed and andy was done with his toys but he gave them to bonnie for a new adventure a new story and a new chance to make a child happy Uh, and i just felt like that closure there was the perfect ending for the story that we were following with Woody, Buzz, Jesse, and the gang. Yeah, Um, agreed. So the fact that, you know, they were homeless toys just doesn't make sense. We don't want homeless toys. We want kids to have toys. Yeah. So anyway, that's why it just didn't click for me. It was an extended storyline that I didn't think was necessary and didn't follow the true heart of, like, what it means to be a toy. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Okay, but on a lighter note. We've got the best Pixar movie category. And for this one, we actually both picked a winner um, based off of our own personal preference. So for me, my winner for best Pixar movie is Inside Out. Caitlin, what is your best Pixar movie? So my winner for best Pixar movie was the OG Toy Story. Here we are again, back with more Toy Story. I love so many of these movies. It truly was hard for me to pick one. But my particular reasoning for picking this film is kind of layered with the story is great, so original, thinking about toys being alive. But it also was the first time we had this 3D generated computer animation. And, you know, You Got a Friend in Me, classic song, all of those things combined. I just don't know that we would have such a strong list of Pixar films if this one didn't come first. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, set a standard true. for all the other films um, that makes me just appreciate this movie so much. Yeah, I mean, they did they did it so well. Like, the first film, we could look back on it and be like, man, Pixar's come so far, which they have. But I feel like we're in 2022 and we still think of Toy Story as such an iconic and amazing animated film. Like there's, they started off so strong and they've just gotten stronger, Mm -hmm. um, which is so impressive as a company to see. Um, For me, Inside Out, I majored in psychology in college and I've always been fascinated with emotions and the human brain. And so to see a film 
that taps into that. Like I was just blown away by the amount of detail and education that it provided. Like it truly, you learn, like I have, I have people that watch that film that literally didn't know much at all about the brain before and afterwards were like, oh my gosh, like this makes sense. And I understand why your memories are stored here. And like, as a psychology nerd, I was relating to everything they were talking about in the film, but I feel like it's, they take the complex brain, which is very hard to understand, and they have taken it and simplified it for kids to understand, which I think is so important because as kids grow and they change and they discover their emotions and their feelings, this film helps them understand like why they have different emotions. For sure. And where they live in the brain and how they interact with each other and how they affect your memory. I don't know. I just think it's so... It was genius. A genius idea. I agree. Pixar's ability to think of something that is common in every day, whether it be playing with toys, uh, processing emotions, uh, mourning a loved one, all of those things that are every day. They've taken such creative routes to coming up with a story for these films um, that truly is unmatched i think anywhere even just disney in general um you know pixar is its own thing and that's why we have this own award show for it because these films are so incredible so thought out and um detailed like you said i think that with inside out something that's so prevalent today is pushing forward mental health and having more awareness of it and for a kid to see in this form the message of it's okay to not be okay Mm -hmm. and sadness and other emotions outside of happiness and joy are something that we experience and something that is normal um and those things make us who we are and i mean it's it's an incredible message and the way that they executed it was phenomenal so Mm -hmm. i love that that's your pick yeah thanks yeah well what a fun award ceremony we just had i love this episode it's just it's nice to be able to think about all these different categories and like giving them awards. I don't know. I just really, I've also said, I don't know, like so many times this episode, <laughs> but I really do enjoy Pixar films and being able to give out awards. So I'm glad that we did this category and um, we're able to, I don't know, give awards to, you know, there's, tw- there's 26 Pixar films. So like it's, it's so difficult to categorize those, but I think we did a pretty good job. And I hope that our listeners agreed. We want to know if you um, liked our choices. If you disagree, let us know. Um, send us a message on Instagram or, you know, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Small shop shout out. Shouting them out yet again. Yeah. (laughs) Another jingle for you guys this week. It's different every time, but we try to entertain you. Yes, oh, for sure. Um, We are back with our small shop. This week, we are shouting out Once Upon a Brawn, which is O-N-C-E-U-P-O-N-A-B-R-O-N. So this is a small shop that is owned by Bronwyn Wisemiller. She is well known in the Disney bubble. Um, She's got a really awesome YouTube channel and just a great 
um, Instagram account and she um, actually started her own small shop where she sells um, different stickers and apparel um, just some really awesome designs that are just kind of a touch of magic and it's magical art apparel and more so um, we're just really excited to have found her page and her account it's just she's very joyful and I don't know I really like her products yeah I totally agree I think that um once upon a brawn has somewhat of a, a pretty strong um presence in the disney community mm-hmm. and um for someone to be able to take a platform and use it for good and create some magic for people in their trips i just commend people who do this again why we love doing these small small shop shout outs um so again you can find her at once upon a brawn brawn b-r-o-n mm-hmm. on instagram go check her out get some fun magical apparel or accessories and um, bring magic to your everyday. Hey all, this is Kelly from Kelly's Magical Vacations, the official travel partner of the Castle Chat, and I am so excited to bring you today's trip tip. So this tip, I have to say, is one that I think everybody needs to take advantage of. If you are staying on property at Walt Disney World or Disneyland, you're able to make your dining reservation 60 days prior to your check-in date. So that means that 60 days prior to your check-in date, you're able to get onto the website, get on at 6 a.m., and you're able to grab all of your reservations for the entire length of stay. So if you are going to be looking for one of those really hard to get reservations like a Space 220 or Cinderella's Castle, try to push that later in your vacation because you're going to have less people that are able to book that date. If you think about it, if I'm staying off property, I have 60 days prior to whatever that date is that I want to get that reservation to have that open for me. So the only ones that I'm able to get as I'm staying off property is going to be 60 days prior to whatever that reservation date is, not my whole week that I'm staying at Disney. So it's a benefit of staying on a Disney property. It's also just a way to kind of be strategic when you're planning. So definitely try to leave those really hard to get reservations till a little bit later in your vacation. You'll have more options, more availability for sure. Be sure to head over to Kelly's Magical Vacations on Instagram for all your Disney tips and tricks. And if you are looking to plan a Disney vacation, you can head to the Castle Chats Instagram, click that link in their bio, and there will be a form that you can fill out so that we can start planning. And I can help you with everything from your accommodations to your tickets to your dining and everything in between. Man, Kelly has great trip tips. She's the bomb. We love Kelly. I mentioned it in our episode um, when we got to interview her, but um, we are using her for our next Disney vacation, and she has been so amazing. I have gotten um, some worksheets from her where I fill out what I'm interested in, what my family's interested in, and she kind of sends back her um, information on what you know her hopes are for getting us those reservations just like she talked about our window is getting ready to open and you know our number one reservation she is like okay let's plan on trying to get this for your next to last day so we know at least you've got that number one choice for you know 
whatever it might be, whatever type of meal it might be. Um, but she's just been on top of it and, um, it's really nice to work with her. So I encourage anyone out there listening, wanting to book a Disney trip hassle-free to go find Kelly at Kelly's Magical Vacations. We love working with her, um, through the podcast, but also through planning our own trips. Next week, guys, we are going to be back with our episode titled Ask Us Anything. This is the episode where you guys get to submit your questions to us on Instagram or via email, and we'll answer them for you right here on the podcast. Um, It can be personal related, Disney related, you name it, we will answer it. So um, we've already been putting out some stuff on our Instagram stories that you guys have been filling out, but we'll continue to do that over the next week so that um, you can have your opportunity to submit your questions. And we're just very excited to answer anything that you have for us so uh, but until then you can reach us um, on instagram at the castle chat or you can send us an email at the castle chat at gmail.com or you can leave us a review on apple or spotify podcasts leave us five stars leave us a paragraph we would love to hear what you love and maybe don't love about the podcast so we can learn and grow and make this an experience for you to enjoy um until then though we'll leave you with what we always leave you with which is there's a great big beautiful tomorrow out there waiting for you go make it magical (laughs) see you real soon bye friends bye